you have to figure out how you're going to get the support you need, not only to get through the process, but to get through everything else that comes with a divorce, the stigma, everything else that goes along with with that right. different, you know, different situation that you're not used to experiencing. Mm-hmm. So just dealing with um, different people who have gone through the divorce, you know, I would say is huge. Talking to people who are just friends and family who can support you is also huge because you're going to need that support to get through this process. Welcome to the Daisy Camp podcast. Daisy Camp is a woman's nonprofit resource for education and empowerment before, during, and after her divorce. It's our mission to be that safe place for you to get support and reliable information that you'll need to grow into your ever-expanding life. Hi, and welcome back to Daisy Camp Podcast. My name is Emily John, and today I'm here with Angela Hart, and I'm so excited to dive into all things uh, kids, custody, parenting during a divorce. And Angela is our, definitely our resident expert here, being a parent yourself. So hi, Angela. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about your kiddos. You are a mom. Yeah, so I have three kiddos. One of them is 15, um, one of them is 18, just graduated, and the other is 20 um, at home doing online college. Oh, I hope that changes soon. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And um, not only do you have these kiddos, but you did have them when you went through your divorce. How old were they when you got divorced? Yeah, so that was about 10 years ago, and um, my kids were 5, 8, and 10 at the time we went through the divorce. and I was really concerned about kind of their physical and uh, mental well-being going through, uh, not, not their physical, I should say, but their mental well-being as they go through this divorce process. Um, mm-hmm. And so for the 8 and the 10-year-old, I put them, um, I started um, at least my 8-year-old um, because I was concerned about how she was going to take this and handle this Um because she seemed to be very emotional about things. Mm-hmm. And so we did some one-on-one um therapy with her, um, which I don't know if it helped any, but I felt better about it. And then I put both of the eight-year-old and the 10-year-old in kind of like a group therapy where um, they were with other kids going through divorce. And Mm -hmm. I just kind of did that precautionary because I wanted to have them, you know, just meet those mental needs that I thought maybe they needed. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. And just to know that they're not the only ones. Yeah, exactly. To know that, you know, this just isn't just them going through that. Other kids are doing the same thing that they're doing. This is happening to other kids uh, at the same time. Right. So I love that you have both the perspective of, I have been a parent. I have gone through this process with my kids. But now you're an attorney. You have your own practice. Uh, and you're helping other families that are navigating this process as well. Yeah, so I can kind of come at it from a little bit maybe of a unique perspective because I went through the traditional process um, with my ex, um, and we figured out we figured things out, and we're still figuring things out now, even though that they're eighteen and twenty, and now it, we're mm-hmm. looking at college and applications and where the kids are going to school, and you know what happens when you know where are they going to stay, you know. Uh, when they're not in college and all that stuff. So it's still sure. things, ha- you know, as you transition from one age to the next and then on, you know, there's still things that have to be figured out and worked out. Oh, sure. Yeah. And um, I'm sure every year is a different year and you're just constantly kind of re, I don't know, I, w- I don't want to say reinventing the wheel here, but 
you know, trying to figure out what's best in this stage and, and now in this stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so really opening up, you know, one of the things that I try to help people figure out is, you know, what is your goal, you know, as parents and what do you want to achieve? Um, and as a parent, how do you want to be able to communicate with each other? How do you want to set um, you know, you know, you know, if we have to talk about discipline or if you have to talk about, you know, changing schedules or if you don't agree on something, then what do you need to do to figure out what are you going to build in to your divorce degree so that you can figure things out in the future so that you don't end up back in court? Oh, that's so important. And, you know, obviously not just for us, the parent, but for our children as well. Right. Yes, exactly. Because what you what's really important in going through this is is your kids. And what people really sometimes don't understand when they go through a divorce is that um, if you have children, um, you are going to be involved in your children's lives forever, which means that as ex spouses, um, you're you still are going to have a relationship in that you're both going to be their parents, mm-hmm. and you're both going to have to communicate and you're both going to be at all their events. Mm-hmm. For example, you know, their graduations, all their sporting events, you know, marriages, I mean, and then they're going to have kids and you're going to dealing with grandkids. I mean, you're going to have a lifelong commitment uh, with each other because of those kids and you have to figure out how you're going to handle that when you're divorced. Oh, okay. Well, so let's just start at, you know, kind of at that point where you've decided you're getting divorced. Um, you put, you know, the, you file for divorce. You kind of had mentioned in maybe two episodes back about, you know, triggering these, these things that need to happen when you file. And, you know, first of all was this alternative dispute resolution. We talked about that two episodes ago. And then the second one is taking parenting classes. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah. So when when paperwork is filed for divorce in Minnesota, those two things like you mentioned are triggered. Um, one of them is that you have to try to resolve your case, and that's through dispute resolution. You're just mandated to attempt to figure out um, a way to try to talk to each other and figure out if you can resolve it um, through some form of dispute resolution. The second thing that is triggered is that you are, and you have children, um, is that you both have to take what's called parent education classes or co-parenting classes. And it's eight hours, um, each. And it doesn't have to be, um, together. And right now they're being done virtually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you both have to take eight hours of parent education classes and you have to show, um, the court that you've taken these hours and submit, um, your form to them that shows that you've completed and finalized that those classes. And those classes deal in um, not only how to co-parent, but also some of the financial matters when it comes to parenting. Um, but most of the issues are like, how do we work together as co-parents um, for our kids? Okay. So when you're working together as, you know, in this co-parenting situation, um, what things are you thinking about you know, resolving during this, either this education or while you're starting the divorce. So this, this comes into play some of the legal terminology that people really need to be aware of and what needs to be decided in every um, divorce. And one of them is, you know, legal custody. And one of them is physical custody. And um, those terms legal and physical kind of make a big, make a, are, um, need to be kind of explained. So people understand what those what those terms mean. So one of the things that parents have to decide is um, who's going to have the legal custody of their children. And legal custody means 
um, who makes the decisions of to where the kids go to school, what happens if the kids are injured and they need to go see the doctor, um, you know, who, what, what kind of health are they going to health, you know, insurance are they going to have? And basically it's um, medical. And then what kind of religion, you know, what church are they going to go to? So it's basically you're breaking it down to the three primary categories would be like um, religion, medical, and and education. Mm -hmm. And those are really legal decisions that have to be made by the parents. And the presumption these days is that you will share those legal decisions Mm -hmm. 50-50. But if for some reason, you know, one person, maybe there was some cognitive mental issues going on or there was some abuse going on, maybe you might want to have sole legal instead of having joint legal. Uh, and so those are kind of decision decisions that you have to make right away in regards to who's going to be making these legal decisions. Are we going to share these or is somebody going to have um, the decision-making responsibility on their own? The second one would be physical custody. And you have to decide, and that's basically kind of speaks for itself, but physically where are the kids going to be? Mm-hmm. Who's going to have the physical custody? And the term is, is, is it going to be joint physical or is it going to be sole physical where one person has the kids? Mm-hmm. And I think people get kind of bogged down into these terms those, um, because still you have to, in addition to figuring out custody, even though you have to write down on that piece of paper which one it's going to be, you still have to figure out a parenting schedule. Oh, okay. And so... When you figure out that parenting schedule, you know, just because you have joint physical, it doesn't mean that your schedule has to necessarily be exactly equal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can figure out that schedule based on what your work schedules are, you know, and how you're think, how you are handling things. So like, for example, somebody might be a police officer and they have this weird night schedule or a nurse, um, where they have to work nights. And so figuring out a schedule might get complicated, mm-hmm. um, because it, and it might vary from week to week. And so what you need to do is figure out, well, what's the schedule going to look like that works best for the kids, mm-hmm. the least amount of transitions. Um, you know, where the parents can kind of get to see them enough to figure out a good schedule. So sometimes um, it might be that you have an equal schedule um, and there are different options that you can choose for these schedules as well. Um, And you can be creative. You don't have to go with any particular one. You can do what works best for your family. Mm-hmm. And so some people say, well, if the kids are young, maybe we switch. We don't want to have too many nights away from the other parent. So maybe you switch out like every two days uh, or three days um, so that you can make sure that each parent is getting, you know, the say or getting to see the kids when they're still young mm-hmm. um, so they don't have that anxiety about, well, what am I going to see mom or dad again? Um, sometimes there's a schedule um, as the kids get older where maybe one parent might have them every Monday or Tuesday, or one parent might have them every Wednesday or Thursday, and then they alternate weekends. That's a really common one. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, maybe the parent travels a lot, and you just um, have that where the kids are doing it every other weekend, and then during the school week, it's always with one parent. It just depends on what your family's situation is going to be mm-hmm. and how it works out. And maybe sometimes you see one parent sees the kids more uh, during the summer when, when the kids are not not in session with the school if they don't live exactly close by. Mm -hmm. So it just depends. It can work out to be many different things um, for that schedule. Um, But it's something that has to be figured out and it's something that has to be determined and addressed and put down into that divorce degree. Right. Well, and I'm just curious, how easy is it to switch that? You know, like if at the time joint is a good option and then at some point you want to go down to being a sole 
um, physical, you know, custody. Is that pretty hard to undo? It is a little bit difficult to undo. Uh, and so you really want to figure out and build into your degree, like if we do need to switch this, then what do we do? And how do we put that in there? Um, like, so if you need to involve a specialist, um, mm-hmm. and sometimes there's a child specialist that you can involve, or sometimes there's what's called a parenting time consultant or a parenting time expediter. Um, it depends on your situation, what you can build in, or maybe you just go to mediation. Um, but sometimes you can build in like, okay, if we can't agree on something and we need to adjust our parenting schedule, uh, mm-hmm. usually the number one thing is that you have to talk to each other and, and try to figure it out. If you can't, then you build in, well, what are you going to do if you have a disagreement? Mm-hmm. How are you going to handle that? And okay. so you can build in those type of situations into your degree um, to kind of figure out what that means down the road for the future. Okay. If you don't have that built into your degree, you can always go back to court and adjust and change. It doesn't mean you can't. Mm-hmm. It just means you have to go back to court to do it. Um, and what courts look at in determining, you know, if and if you can't agree initially and you kind of leave the decision for the court to mm-hmm. make the call on how this is going to turn out, the judge absolutely doesn't want to talk to the kids. That's just not something that is done in family law. Mm-hmm. Um, so what usually happens is that you will hire what's called a custody evaluator. And it's somebody who that you go and they will they will talk to the kids, they'll talk to the parents, they'll go visit the kids um, at their home. They'll talk to school counselors and teachers and maybe a therapist. Mm-hmm. And they're really put together um, a, a, an opinion as to how they think the schedule might be and what might be best for the kids. Mm-hmm. And they'll present that to the judge. And then the judge will usually will look at that evaluation. And sometimes each parent hires a, an evaluator. Okay. And then they will look at, the judge will make the call then based on what that evaluator recommends. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not going to be, the, the kids aren't going to be dragged into court to testify um, in any kind of t- situation in regards to family law. Oh, okay. All right. That's interesting. Um, so why would it be beneficial to try and come to an agreement with your ex, you know, right away, kind of during this first part of the divorce and to try and get on the same ground in terms of, yeah. you know, how we're going to raise the kids, who's going to have custody, who's going to pay for this, that, and the other thing. Um, why is that an, an important element so it's it's really important because you have the you know the kids you have that commitment with the kids and you have that connection where you have to figure out well how do we communicate with with each other and what a lot of people do is figure out well it's called um, a parenting plan okay and they put together a parenting plan and if you googled parenting plan you would find a number of things that came up um, mm-hmm. but ideally you can you can build a parenting plan together up front. Mm-hmm. Um, between the two of you, that really outlines, number one, how are you going to communicate regarding the kids? Mm-hmm. Um, how are you going to set up um, like a schedule that works? And then what are you going to do for all these different things that come up, activities? How are you going to handle discipline mm-hmm. um, when the kids get older um, and you have to transition from one house to the next? You know, how do you handle bedtime schedules? How do you handle what they watch on TV? I mean, all these things can be put in the parenting plan and it can become as detailed as you want it to be 
or not as detailed as you want it to be depending on your situation. Mm -hmm. But especially with young kids, it really gives some parameters um, that kind of outline how you're going to co-parent with your spouse. Um, And it really sets the tone for kind of going forward, how you're going to handle this. And you're looking at what's best for the kids, basically. Right. Well, yeah, that's just it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you did get into a conflict, you know, what you know, the question is, what do you want to figure out what's best for your kids, or do you want the third party, like a judge, to kind of decide what's best for you and your children instead? And so, you kind of have to weigh how are you going to handle this. And when you negotiate and figure this out, if you can't, you know, get to this on the same page, you can bring somebody in to help you with that as well. Mm-hmm. So, you can do a process that will enable you to bring in a third party uh, to help you figure out some of these parenting plans. And there are lots of different options that are available mm-hmm. when it comes to kids and figuring out schedules and parenting time and parenting plans. Um, there's things called child inclusive mediation where the mediator might talk to the kids mm-hmm. and figure out what the kids want. Um, sure. And sometimes what the parents think the kids want and what the kids actually want are a lot different than what they think. Okay. Um, there's also things where you can work with a child specialist. A child specialist is someone who can is who has a family therapy background and they can sit down with the parents and kind of figure out and walk through the parenting plan and you're actually utilizing an expert in family matters to help you figure out what might be best for you and your family. Oh, that's interesting. Well, how about um, as parents, you know, are there resources for us, you know, besides just taking this class, like if we wanted to figure out how to become a better parent, how to become more open to, um, you know, collaborating with our ex and making sure that, you know, we're kind of getting all the information that we need to help us. So there are lots of parent education classes out there that are available to take, not only just the ones mandated by the court, but there are other ones as well. So you could certainly tap into some of those resources and really get involved if you wanted to do that. You could do what's called family therapy Mm -hmm. and meet with a therapist and just figure out how to be co-parents. And actually, there are family therapists that specialize in that who mm-hmm. help people post-divorce co-parent. Oh, um, sure. If there's ever a conflict that comes up, you can go and, and, and utilize those services as well. Um, there are books that you can read that are out there. I'm sure that I don't know if I'm sure, but Daisy Camp might have resources on their page that might list some material out there to help people co-parenting. But yeah, it's it's not something that's easy to do. And sometimes it takes some education and some learning to kind of figure out what what works best for you and your family. Right, exactly. Well, and I wonder if I could just get your perspective, you know, as the mom, like what were some things that helped you when you were going through your divorce to Make sure that you were being a good mom and, you know, figuring out what was the best route uh, to take for your kids. So for me, it was just having a support network available to me. I think that was the number one thing that, you know, you have to know that what you're doing is okay you know that you're you're not you know and you've mm-hmm. got that you know divorce like like any difficult process is is hard on your emotional and your mental um state and mm-hmm. so you have to kind of build up and i always tell my clients like this is not going to be an easy process i'm not going to sugarcoat things it's going to be difficult to get through this mm-hmm. and so one of the things and also we do this in daisy camp is that you have to figure out 
how you're going to get the support you need, not only to get through the process, but to get through everything else that comes with a divorce, the stigma, everything else that goes along with with that right. different, you know, different situation that you're not used to experiencing. Mm-hmm. So just dealing with um, different people who have gone through the divorce, you know, I would say is huge. Talking to people who are just friends and family who can support you is also huge because you're going to need that support to get through this process. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a good, that's great advice. Yeah. And really trying to figure out where those support systems are and where you can lean on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, what else do we need to consider um, in this whole parenting journey through this divorce? Um, the other thing that I that I guess I would want to um, maybe touch base on is that uh, a lot of people come in thinking that you know, and thinking about you know, getting help and getting the support is that well. <sighs> You know, there's a couple of things, and one of them is that, well, what if I go to a therapist? Am I going to be looked at upon as weak, or is that something that, you know, they could maybe take my kids away because they think I'm crazy? Right. And, you know, this is what people think, and it's yeah. like, that's not the case at all. By somebody going to a therapist and getting support, it shows that you are strong and that you are doing what you need to do to help your mental state. It shows that you are being a responsible person, basically. Don't ever think that you're, you know, weak or that you can't do something like that. It's right. actually a really good thing to do. And courts actually see that as a good thing to do, too. That's, so that's a really good point to make. Yeah, because I, I think there is a little bit of stigma around it. Right. Or, you don't you feel like you need to be able to do this all yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's good to recognize that that won't be held against you. Yeah. That won't be. And also, you know, figure out what your goals are for this process. And, you know, if, if your kids are going to be part of, you know, uh, a big a big thing is like making sure there's stability with your kids and making sure that you have a good co-parenting relationship, then look at the process options too when you go through this and figure out what might be best for you and your family um, mm. to get through this together. Right. And so that's another big step in that is like, okay, starting this out in the right way, in the right method so that you can work together might be what's best for you and your family. If you start out in a real contentious, litigious state, um, it might not be helpful to what you're doing. And so right. really look at your process options and figure out which way you want to go with this. Oh, well, wonderful. Thank you so much for just giving us a little bit more perspective. And, um, you know, as the parents of we want our kids to to get through this in a positive way. We want to be raising strong, healthy, you know, wonderful kids. And they need to see us doing that as well, I think. Um, and it's hard to, to figure out how to do that at first, mm-hmm. I would imagine. But um, being able to give yourself that grace and um, ask for help when you need it is such an important thing. And and you don't want to put the kids in the middle in anything that you're doing. Right. The divorce should not be a topic of conversation with the kids. Um, mm-hmm. Anything that you're doing regarding the divorce processes between you and the other parent, it's not, it should not be involved um, with the kids in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that, you know, has to be, people have to realize. And I think that's what one of those things, those co-parenting classes do is kind of teach that. But also you have to do is you have to take certain steps to make sure um, on your end that the kids are not put in the middle 
um, of conversations or that they're not the middle person relaying information from one parent to the next. Thank you so much. I think that's wonderful information. So Angela, if people have more questions, if they'd like to get in touch with you, uh, what's a great way to get in touch with you? Yeah. So um, I have an office in the East Metro in the Woodbury area. Mm -hmm. Um, My business is called Heart Law LLC. You can reach me on my website, which is um, www.heartlaw.net. And if you need to email me, I would be uh, very willing to answer questions. It's Angela at heartlaw.net. And heart is spelled H-E-A-R-T. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much for all this great information, Angela. I really appreciate you coming on to the Daisy Camp podcast and being a guest. And I'm so excited to get this information out there because um, I think it's so helpful uh, for especially for women to be able to just get this base knowledge under their belt before they start. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that's that's the goal is to get information out to people. Wonderful. All right. Well, everybody out there, have a great week and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for showing up today and investing a little time in yourself. If you found this episode helpful but would like to dive deeper, come over to www.daisycamp.org and check out our community resources. We also have recommended reading and upcoming events, both in person in the Minneapolis area and worldwide through our online webinars. Daisy Camp's board, staff, and speakers volunteer their time and are here to help you. Come on over and get involved. We'd love to have you join us. Thanks again and keep listening.